Hello and welcome back to another episode of Square State Sandlot. I am your host, Bill Montoya, and again joining me is Raf, decked out in his Tampa Bay Rays well, and Rockies. Very yeah. nice. Nice touch there. <clears throat> I I don't know if I necessarily want to be representing my A's just because of their owner, and I, I can't stand him, but, you know... Uh, we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about with our teams. We'll have a lot to talk about with the NFL owners meetings and what we saw from Roger Goodell. Uh, I'll have more to speak on that here in just a little bit. But Raf, thanks for joining again. Um, no problem. Y- you excited for opening day? Not as excited as you. <laughs> <laughs> Hope springs eternal. Um, I am fired up. It's my favorite time of year. Obviously, we've got the the weather's starting to warm up, although it's it's actually snowing outside my house right now, so I don't know how spring it actually is, but it's uh it's the best time of year. Love having, you know, baseball will have will happen every night from here until the all star break and then, you know, it'll pick back up in a couple days after that and keep going all the way through October and into November, so not not a bad day ahead of us for a while. <laughs> well, I we got a foot of snow here earlier in the week, so I, well, I don't know you li- how you, you feel right now. You live in right Montana, now, so. so that's expected. <laughs> not not I'm supposed late. to be in the warm part of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll get into baseball. Um, as I alluded to, it's opening day tomorrow, so it's always like I said, it's always my favorite time of year. Baseball is my sport. I, I love basketball, I love uh, football, but baseball is what I live for in, in terms of sports. So as you can see, I am sporting my A's gear. Uh, <laughs> I guess I do want to mention that uh, John Fisher, the owner of the A's, um, has a bunch of lobbyists in Las Vegas right now uh, basically trying to get some money out of the Las Vegas public to build his stadium there in in Las Vegas. And I know I've talked many times saying that the A's were going to stay in Oakland, uh, but those conversations between Oakland and and the A's have pretty much died down completely. So at this point, I would say it's probably more like 55-45, leaning in Las Vegas' favor that the A's potentially move there. Uh, The only reason I have still 45% with Oakland is because as of right now, there's still not a set site in Las Vegas. Uh, there's no stadium proposal, anything like that. Uh, they're still just lobbying for the funds to, to get the infrastructure built. So I still think it's, I guess I should say 55-45 in Oakland's favor. I still think it's more likely that it happens in Oakland, but I think it's closely inching towards Las Vegas as being the favored part. So I, I really hope they get something done in, in Oakland, although obviously if they move to, to Vegas, that's pretty close to me and would be in the same town as my Raiders, so wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, but I, I really do like the, the history there. I mean, they've been there since 1968, I believe. So a lot of history there in Oakland, a lot of great teams, a lot of mystique there. Obviously, they're still playing in the same building, so that's part of the problem, but uh, how are you feeling about your your Rays and Rockies coming into the season? I know Rockies are a little iffy. Um, well, like the the Rockies last year won sixty eight games. Um, off season moves, 
not very much, but I feel like we can win 70. Going year. for 70. All right. Yeah. That's... That would put you in the over for the, the season projections. Uh, going off fan graphs, they have them predicted at worst in the majors of 66 and a half wins. So you're going with the over there. Um, <laughs> my A's are not much better than that. They're actually projected for 68 and a half which is third worst in the majors. So still not sure where I'm leaning on that. I, I'm going to lean over, but like you said, I, I'm guessing around 70 wins for the A's as well. So uh, obviously both of us do not have high hopes, uh, but your Rays, <laughs> I think they're probably, I don't know, they're in one of the toughest divisions in baseball. So it's tough to predict how those teams are going to end up, but I think they could be towards the top of that division. Are you feeling better about them? Um, I... Like, I mean, last year they won 86. I think this year, even with the losses that they've had as far as personnel, I still think we can, you know, get 90 and another wild card spot. I can't see us beating out the Yankees or the Blue Jays this year, like as far as record goes. So, Well, and I think the Orioles will even be – in the, the conversation too. I mean, they're building off a very strong year last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how that division shapes up because I feel like you guys have four very good teams and then the Red Sox are probably one of the better, worst teams in the league. So um, it's going to be a tough division. I think you guys are going to beat the crap out of each other. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rays in the in the wild card at the end of the season. Um also wouldn't be surprised to see them at the top of that division either. Cause I think the, the Yankees other than adding, or I guess not even adding, bringing back Aaron judge, they haven't made a ton of moves in the off season. They like to stay under the, the tax threshold. So they're not huge as huge as spenders as they used to be. Uh, and I think the blue Jays are coming off a down year. I think they're going to rebound. And I, I honestly think that I would pick blue Jays at the top of that division. And then, a scramble between Yankees, Rays, and uh, Orioles. They're scrambling for number two and three, and potentially you guys might get three into the into the playoffs. So it's a good division. I think the, the A's are in a pretty tough division as well in the AL West. Obviously, we have uh, the Astros at the top of that division, but the Angels, <laughs> the Angels have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, which means that they should have i mean they have two of the best players in the game i still don't understand how they keep losing but i mean i guess i do know they never address the pitching portion so who knows what they're going to do mariners had a really good season last year and i think they'll continue to build and then the rangers have spent like a billion dollars in the last two free agencies so um they should have a better record than they did last year um my a's are definitely going to be at the bottom of that division uh, I, I mean, it's no secret. We're not even trying to compete right now, which is really frustrating because getting back to John Fisher, they had the fifth highest um, net profit at the end of last season. Obviously, that was based on Forbes. Um, what did they say? They're basically just going based off of like previous seasons and, and schedule or mapping that out based on what they got last year. A's didn't have very good um, attendance or anything like that, 
but they were part of the revenue sharing program. So that propped up a lot of their income there as they try to get a stadium deal done. And that's one thing that leads me to believe that they will get a stadium deal done. It's just because John Fisher will get cut off from the corporate welfare that he's getting in the revenue sharing if he doesn't have a, a deal in place by this June. So I really think in order to keep suckling from that uh, corporate teat, he's going to get a stadium deal in place so he can stay on the revenue sharing to help him build up that that new stadium, wherever that may be. So um, let's just go. I, I'll talk about my A's when we get to the AL West to, to break down that break down that division a little bit further. But do you want to just go division by division and, and say who you think is going to win it, and then maybe just go like who's in second or third if you have the the third place team in the wild card? Yeah, yeah, we can do okay. that. Okay, let's start with the. We'll just go in order. We'll start with the AL and start in the East. So that's your division. Uh, like I alluded to, I said I have. Blue Jays at the top, uh, and then I really think it'll probably be Rays, then Yankees, then Orioles, and then Red Sox. And like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see three of those teams making the the playoffs. So I'm going to go Blue Jays with the the division, and then Rays, Yankees as the second and third wild card. Or I guess first and second wild card. I don't know. There's three um, wild cards, well- so. Or is yeah, there four now? I'm trying to think. Was the playoff format changing? I don't. Didn't they put it to seven teams in each league now? Um, hang on. Well, I got to look this up so we get them right. Two, the projections. <laughs> hey, let's see. I think it's just it's six. I think. I mean, last year was six. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. It is six. You're right. So you got three division winners and then three wild cards. So. I've got three teams coming out of the AL East. What do you have there? Um, yeah, I, I really, I, I like your optimism and Ben's optimism for the Rays getting second. I don't know, like I mean, we we did lose some players and we didn't really get anybody back, so I'm a yeah, but you guys cautious. Have a great farm system. Yeah, but I'm still a little cautious about that. So I think the the Blue Jays will be top, then Yankees, and then the Rays. And possibly it'll be a lot closer than it was last year. I, yeah. I feel like the, the difference between us and the Yankees will be like a, a game or two. Yeah, I really um, think that's going to be bunched up real close at the end of the season. Like I said, even the Orioles, I think, will be in it, but I don't think they're going to have enough wins there to get that third wild card. Um, yeah. Okay, let's go on yeah. to AL Central. And this one's tough to predict because there's not really a, a team that's head and shoulders above the rest of the division. Um, and... Over the last five years or so, this has probably been one of the worst divisions in all of baseball. So I think the Twins didn't really do much other than bring back Carlos Correa, and he's going to have a giant chip on his shoulders. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them at the top of the division, but I think 
between the the White Sox getting rid of Tony Larusa, I think that's going to help them, and I really like the talent that they have on their team. So, I, I think for me, this is a three man race between the Twins, Guardians, and White Sox, and I think the White Sox will pull ahead right at the end of the season. I do really like what the Guardians are doing. They they're talking, they're in talks, very deep talks with a lot of their star upcoming players for contract extensions. So it seems like they're now with the rebranding and all that, that they're ready to start competing seriously in the division. So I think they're going to be second. I'll go White Sox at the, at the top of that division and then Guardians second, Twins third, and only one team coming out of that division. And that is the White Sox by, by taking the division title. Um, I mean, Cleveland's been doing good for the last, like, what, two or three years now? They've been pretty good um, for a while. I mean, not good enough to, you know, make yeah, playoffs or anything, but I building up. I think Cleveland's going to stick with how they've been playing and still take that one spot out of the Central. So you only have one going from the Central as well? Yeah, I, I, I can't see Chicago or... Minnesota turning it around enough to to break 90 wins so well I don't think any of them are going to win more than probably like 84 which is why I don't think they'll get more than one in the in the playoffs so um AL West so this one's obviously the uh one that sticks out to most to me um I do have the Astros taking the division although I think the Mariners Angels and Rangers will make it a a lot tougher conversation for them. I don't think they'll run away with it like they have in, in the last couple of seasons. Um, Angels, I really think <laughs> it's tough to say that you, you have any faith in them because year after year after year, even having Trout and now having Otani, they still find a way to lose. Um, but I think this is the year that they probably take second in the division. Um, got Astros at the top. Mariners, I think, will take a slight step back. But they are one of those exciting up-and-coming teams. Um, Rangers, again, like I said, they spent a ton of money in Seager and Simeon in the last offseason. And then this offseason, they brought in some pitching. So uh, Jacob deGrom, pretty good addition, but can he stay healthy? I think that's probably the biggest question mark for them. if he can, he's the best pitcher in baseball, but he really just hasn't been able to show that consistency where he pitches a whole season. So I think he'll add to that rotation, and obviously he'll help some of the young guys show them how to do it right. But I don't think he stays healthy enough to keep them in that division race. So, yeah, I'm going to go Astros, Angels second, and they get that final wild card spot. And then my A's, my lowly, lowly A's at the bottom of that division. Um, it's, it's going to suck because, I mean, we, like I said, we haven't really put anything into the roster. We brought in a couple free agents. In fact, they just traded Christian Pache today to the, oh boy, I should have wrote this down. Christian. I'm going to look it up real quick. I know they traded for Billy, uh, Billy Sullivan from the Phillies. There we go. Um, traded Christian Pache today. He was the main part. Well, him and Christian or Shea Langoliers were the big trade from 
the Braves with the Matt Olson trade. And he didn't pan out. I mean, he is a A plus center fielder, but he can't hit to save his life, and that's going to be his downfall if he never makes it in the majors. But Phillies were able to or were willing to take a risk on him. A's weren't he wasn't going to make the A's opening day roster, which really speaks volumes. Um, but they they got a reliever, which they do need out of that trade. So I don't know. The A's have made some curious moves like that where they've essentially said that Nick Allen, he's been promising, but that he's not going to be the everyday shortstop. I mean, it's clear they're rebuilding, and rather than give the the young guys a chance to earn their roster spots, they're doing a lot of the platoons where they'll only get at-bats against right-handed or left-handed pitchers. So I don't know. It's been pretty curious rebuild. It's like they don't want to admit that they're rebuilding, but everyone in the entire league can see, and fans and everyone else can see that they are rebuilding. So I'm hopeful that it's better than what they've advertised, but it seems to me like now's the time to give a lot of the younger guys the opportunities when you're going to take your licks in this tougher division. Um, But yeah, like I said... Astros, Angels, and then Mariners just barely missing out. Rangers are better, but still not quite there. And then my A's are going to have have a tough time in the division. Who you got? All right. So everybody in Houston is going to get some sort of STD, and they're not going to be playing well. Um, then so Seattle, I say, will – We'll take it just because Houston, like they're all going to be in the hospital. So, um, as much as I would love to see that, <laughs> uh, God, I just... you need to slow down on the hate raid. <laughs> Sorry, still haven't forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, uh, 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 unfortunately, I, I guess Houston will still win out there. Um, I, but I, I also don't have the faith that you do in the Angels. Like, like you said though, like they got that that talent, but they just they don't know where to they don't know when to show up. <laughs> um, And I, I feel like this is going to be a good year for those six teams that have never won. Um, so I'm still going to go with the Mariners uh, with another wild card spot. I sure hope so. Like, I love their story. Obviously, I mean, I don't really like Seattle, but. I do. Um, <laughs> they're, they're probably the only team in the division that I don't strongly dislike. <laughs> and that's probably because they never win. Uh, but I, it was also, you know, a lot, a lot of their team in the early '90s, late '90s, had some of my favorite players on it. I mean, I didn't like A. Rod, but I loved Junior. Uh, I loved, oh, who's it, Buner. I mean, they had a ton of Randy Johnson. They had a ton of talent, and the guys that I just really liked. So, I do have a, a soft spot in my heart for the Mariners back from when they, they won all those games, set the record for, for most wins in a season and all that fun stuff. That was a, a great time to watch baseball. So, Plus, they've Yeah, that, that's so, you know. like what I grew up with. But, 
Ken Griffey. Yeah. Speaking of which, WBC, he was helping coach. Dude looks like he could still play. <laughs> yeah, he he's aged well. Yeah. I mean he's he's a thick boy now, but still <laughs> looks like he could crank some homers. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So, so yeah, I, I guess the, the the playoff outlook for the American League for me is gonna be basically the same. Um I just Yankees and Blue Jays switching okay but, all right well let's yeah. move on to the nl and then i do want to talk to you about some of the rule changes and what you've said what you've seen from from spring training if you've seen any of the games and and how you think that's gonna change the game or anything like that we'll we'll get into that after our projection projections and then we're gonna pick some award winners here at the end too so before we jump into the nfl stuff so all right starting with the nl east I think this is probably the the easiest one for me. Um, I still think it's a great division, but I think the the Braves are head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in in that division. Uh, I think they actually have the highest projection for win total in the entire league. So this is one that it it seems to make all the sense. They are get they're extending all their young guys that are promising. They're trading for all the A's great players and giving us peanuts in return. So, you know, they seem to be making great moves and you know what? Hey, if the A's develop the guys that they traded us, I'm sure they'll just trade back for them and and pay them to to be on their major league roster. So I think the Braves are, like I said, head and shoulders above the rest of this division, but the rest of the division is pretty good too. Uh, I've got the Mets as a wild card team. I had the Phillies as a wild card team as well until Reese Hoskins, uh, tore his ACL and he'll be out the rest of the season. So I think that knocks them down just a touch. Uh, Edwin Diaz was also lost for the season for the Mets. So I think everything is trending in the Braves direction to, to walk away with this division. But like I said, I still have adding Justin Verlander and adding Max Scherzer, um, with the Mets. That's, that's, that's a great way to win a division is having that one, two punch, but I, I think they'll fall just short. Like I said, Braves are probably the best team in that division. So Braves, Mets, as the two teams coming out of that division. Phillies are close, but I think Reese Hoskins losing him, plus Harper will be out the first good chunk of the season as well. So uh, I think they'll just miss the playoffs as as a wild card team there. Um, yeah, the, the Braves will keep it up. Um, and then I, I I don't know if like the Mets just always seem to have the worst luck with things, even when they're winning. Um, maybe they'll get that last wild card spot. Because um, I, I definitely feel like they might be regressing again. Like I, it's hard for me to see them get 90 wins. Um, and then, you know, whatever. Philly, Philly's not going to do anything again. Even though they, they had that good run even as their wild card spot. Um, I just... I think the Mets just have I, too I, much I guess. to miss yeah, the playoffs. I, I don't know. Well, looking at the other 
looking at the central and the west, I I guess the Mets they'll they'll get a good wild card spot. They'll make it. Just because the other one other division they just look a little weak. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to the central again. I don't know what it is about the central over the last like five, ten years, but it's been the weakest division on both sides of the uh leagues. You've got the National League Central and the AL Central. They've both been pretty pretty pitiful. Uh, Cardinals are atop this division. I think they'll win it pretty handily. Um, well, I don't know. I think the Brewers are going to stay in it till the end as well. Pirates are on the upswing, so that's a good thing for, for Kyle. I was hoping he'd be on for this one, but he's still <laughs> working nights and, and missing all the fun, but... Pirates are on the upswing. I think they're going to have a much better year than they did last year. Reds are not great. Joey Votto is going to be on the IL to start the season. Cubs, who knows what they're doing. I mean, they've added Danby Swanson, and they added, who else did they add? Uh, Bellinger. So they've got some pieces, but I still don't think they have the pitching to to get it done. So I think this one will be pretty top-heavy with Cardinals and Brewers, and I have Cardinals at the top. Brewers taking the the wild card spot there. So so far we've got two division winners, two wild card spots for me. You only had two coming out of the East, right? Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I'm I'm basically mirroring what you're saying. I I think the Brewers are gonna do a little bit better this year and get a wild card spot because I mean they just barely missed that cutoff last year, so. Like, okay. the, like the Phillies had 87 wins. They had 86. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. And I then think they've I think, added enough that it'll get, get them into the playoffs at least. And then the last division is the NL West. And this one is again, pretty top heavy. <laughs> Raph, part of the bottom part of that you are wearing. <laughs> um, you've got, I actually have Padres at the top. I know a lot of people are still picking the the Dodgers, and I probably should because it seems like, you know, every time the Padres are predicted to win this division, something happens, like Tatis last year. Um, I know the Dodgers lost Trey Turner, so that's that's going to hurt them. And this is the, the first season where they've stayed under the luxury tax payroll threshold. Uh, so... They lost Turner. They lost Trey Turner. They lost both Turners, Justin Turner and Trey Turner, uh, which are huge pieces of that Dodgers uh, franchise. So I think the Padres have added enough, and I mean they have been adding nonstop for the last two seasons trying to get ahead in that arms race. I really like what they've done. I think Tatis is going to come back a lot more humbled than he was before. You got Machado to stick around. He's been the unquestioned leader of that uh dugout even though i know we both aren't huge fans of him um, yeah you've got the pitching i mean it's it just seems like everything's lining up for the padres to make a, a nice run and when we get a little bit further into project projections and predictions um we'll go further into that but i've got padres one dodgers two Diamondbacks, I think, will actually be ahead of the Giants. Giants are going to be right in the middle of the pack, I think. And then the Rockies are going to be like my A's. They're going to be the cellar dwellers crying <laughs> at the bottom of the division. 
But uh, what what do you got, Raph? This is your division. Well, one of your divisions. Um, I would love to see the Padres in first over the Dodgers. You know, don't like the Dodgers that much. Um, I, I like you know last year. Like the difference between the Dodgers and the Padres was huge as far as like wins go. Um, I don't see the Dodgers being that good this year, but still they're going to, they'll still have probably four or five games on the Padres. Um, Like a lot of people are expecting the Diamondbacks to be better, but you know, they just I extended need, Carroll, which I, I, I need love. somebody to root, you know, against because there's that that was the one team that I feel like the Rockies could jump past. <laughs> it ain't happening. Um, no, you guys have um, Chris Bryant. Yay. <laughs> it seems like that's enough for your owner. And I think you're still paying Nolan Arenado to be on the Cardinals, so yeah, something like we we're as far as spending goes, the Rockies are like right in the middle. Yeah, with but, like spending like a hundred million more than the Rays to it's be like last. Half of that is Chris Bryant, <laughs> and the rest is just a bunch of other guys. <laughs> um, it's yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been paying much attention to the, the Diamondbacks about what they've been doing, but, and, yeah. I think they're an up-and-coming team, but they're not quite there yet. I would say in the next two, three seasons, they might be ready to compete. I mean, Yeah, I, I, I just don't know if I can see them being third in the West. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they were fourth, but I, I really think between the Giants and Diamondbacks, that's almost a toss-up. You guys, I think, are pretty cemented at the bottom there. And then yeah, I think a little bit. Padres, Dodgers are pretty much interchangeable as well. But Yeah, that, that those two will be a lot closer this year as far as wins and losses go. Well, so. yeah. I mean, Dodgers pretty much... They swept the Padres, I think, twice at the beginning of the season. And, I mean, the Padres just could never overcome that. This year, I think it'll be a, a lot better start. And I don't think I don't think it, it's going to be the Dodgers jumping out to that big lead and then just holding everyone off. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get off to a hot start. But, like I said, I think Padres, over the length of the season, will, will be the better team. So, Well... Padres do start out against the Rockies, so. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, like when Alabama opens up against Alabama Southern or something like that. <laughs> one of those cupcake starts to the season. Get you ready like, for the real games. little tune-up. Yeah, so, because <laughs> I, I noticed, like, in your notes, you were mentioning starting pitchers, and then, then like, the Rockies are starting – uh, German Marquez against former Rays pitcher Blake Snell. Yeah, <laughs> Blake's a stud. I've always liked him. Um, 
yeah, I guess I should have mentioned that the A's announced that Kyle Muller will be the opening day starter for them. Um, he was part of the, I can't remember if it was the Sean Murphy or the Matt Olson trade. I think it was the Sean Murphy trade. And honestly, I hadn't even heard of him. Like, obviously, I'd heard his name as part of the trade, but hadn't seen him in spring training, hadn't seen any mentions of him or anything like that. He's a giant left-hander. I think he's like six seven or something like that, which apparently the A's have enough faith in him because they traded away A.J. Puck, which was also one of those giant left-handers. A.J. Puck's been hurt. His uh, clock is getting pretty long in the tooth in terms of his uh, options expiring and things like that. So I think they, they thought, let's reset the clock on that and replace him with this prospect in Kyle Muller. Um, to be fair, Paul Blackburn had the finger uh, laceration. I think they said it was his fingernail tore off his finger on his pitching hand. So that set him back a couple couple weeks. He's already throwing bullpens again, so he should be about ready to start the season. That's who I thought was going to be the opening day starters, Paul Blackburn or James Caprillion, but he's also coming back from a shoulder injury. Uh, the Fujinami that we just brought in from Japan, he has looked like an absolute stud, but hes they announced that he's going to pitch every seventh day. So the A's are going to have likely a, a six-man rotation some days we'll have a spot starter which will probably be adam aller or jp sears they still haven't actually they probably have announced by now the um, opening rotation i just haven't seen that announcement yet so i i would guess one of the long men will be up for spot starts here and there when they play six seven days in a row um, that way fujinami can pitch every saturday so he's he was very exciting in spring training, but he also had a lot of command issues. But if if you're looking for your prototypical ace that, that would be at the top of your rotation, that that's probably the best pitcher we have. But again, like I said, he's assimilating to the, the American culture and game, so he's not going to come in and just start every fifth day like like's typical with the uh, current setup in the in the major league baseball. So um we'll we'll see what happens with the a's i don't know did you happen to watch any spring training games um i just saw like snippets here and there um and some of the rules like some of that i've seen some of that but so i do want to get into the rules just because we've already seen some (laughs) pitch clock violations and things where like in the Braves game, it ended up causing a, a tie, if I remember right, at the beginning of spring training. They had bases loaded. It was a 3-2 count or something like that. And the batter didn't get into the box fast enough, so they called him out on strikes, and it ended up being a, a tie game to, to end the game instead of a walk, even though the pitch was outside of the zone, but they had already called the the violation of the batter not getting the box in time. So... I think this is likely that we'll see a couple controversial plays like this in the regular season, but in terms of pace of game and things like that, what do you, do you think it's a positive impact? Do you typically watch the full three-hour games during the regular season? Um, like watching the games during the regular season, like I'm definitely not, 
you know, glued to it the whole time. Definitely end up doing multitasking. Yeah. Stuff. Um, I, I wonder how it'll do with, you know, pitch counts and things like that. I don't like, I, I never pitched. I don't know how much of a difference it makes when you can take, you know, five extra, 10 extra seconds in between, you know, like spreading all that extra time. I don't know how that helps a pitcher throughout the game. Yeah. If it even makes a difference at all, I a think little extra rest. Just listening to current pitchers and former pitchers sharing their point of view on this, they, they tend to think that this favors the pitchers because you know that by eight seconds left on the, or after eight seconds, the batter has to be in the box. He can only step out once, which I did see that they were talking about potentially changing these rules to give batters an additional step out opportunity. But essentially after the better batter steps out of the box, once it resets the pitch clock, but he can't step out again or it results in an automatic strike. So, uh, this tends to favor the pitchers just because they know that the batter can't step out after that first step out. Um, and once they step into the box, then that gives the pitcher at least seven more seconds where he can just kind of make the pitcher or the batter think about it. For me, when back when I was pitching, I mean, obviously I never pitched the majors or anywhere even close to that. But for me, back when I was pitching, I mean, I would just love to grab the ball and pitch. So for me, this wouldn't have made a difference because I was always up there. I didn't stand there and make the pit or the batter think about it. I just wanted to get up there and, and throw my next pitch. But there are plenty of pitchers like Kenley Jansen. Uh, I'm trying to think of any others off the top of my head, but there's plenty that kind of do that dancing around. Johnny Cueto used to do it all the time uh, where even though he would start his motion technically, he would be hitching and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, changing up his delivery uh, they have to throw the pitch within 15 seconds. So if he hasn't, I mean, that there's going to be a lot of pitchers that have this have problems with this, especially Kenley Jansen. That guy takes like 30 seconds in between each pitch. So um, it's going to be some adjustment, so we'll see how it goes. But overall improvements, I, I feel like pace of game is a lot better. Like you said, I'm definitely multitasking while these games are going on just because – I'm usually doing dishes, eating dinner, like getting the boys ready for bed, things like that. So that was one thing that didn't bug me about the length of the game. But when you're you're a fan of the West Coast team, games are starting at 7 p.m. Pacific time. So that's 8 p.m. Mountain time where I'm at. Games are going till 11 o'clock every night. I'm getting old, man. I can't stay up till 11 to watch to watch the end of every game. So. I mean, if it's not an exciting game, then I'd find myself definitely going to sleep the last, you know, last couple innings of the game, and I'd just check in the morning to see who won. But I, I'm i a baseball aficionado, so I, I want to watch every inning if I can, but it's it's not realistic with a family and kids. So I, I think this is going to help, at least for, for me being an old man and <laughs> wanting to catch the end of the game. And, and actually getting to see it. But I worry that at least in, in terms of like commentators and things like that, they're not going to have enough time in between pitches to actually say, well, he, here's what's going on in this at bat, you know, things like that. You're not going to get to see the replays because um, 
by the time they're ready to throw the next pitch, I mean, you, you can't be showing a replay while the current pitch is going. So I'm interested to see how it's going to well, work out. In, in, I mean, on they, the they can do split boxing. Yeah, I mean, they can do that, but it's tough to pay attention thing, but... to both at the same time. <laughs> so it's it's going to be interesting. That's Dallas Braden was talking about it on the, the Baseball is Dead uh, podcast that he and Jared Carabas do. And, I mean, he said it, it's definitely been an adjustment for him, too, just getting used to that because they're about to start calling the game. <laughs> Sorry. Benny said, not a fan of the pitch clock, size of the bases, ghost runner and extra innings. No shift is good, though. Uh, I agree with that sentiment, other than I do like the pitch clock. Size of the bases is weird to me, just because it feels like you're changing a, a fundamental part of the game. Although, Benny, the A's do have a very fast team this year, so maybe it'll lead to some more stolen bases and giving them opportunity to score some runs. Ghost Runner, I don't know. Take it or leave it for me. Like It's not like... One team's getting an advantage over the other. It's the same situation. So that one doesn't bother me too much. But the no shift, I, I do love that because it gives you a lot of uh, those left-handed batters that are strong pull. Those guys have been very devalued in in the age of the shift. But I think what's going to happen is you'll start to see two-man outfields where essentially they just bring the left fielder that would normally be clear over in left field and they'll put him in that spot where the second baseman had started to move to out in the outfield. So I really feel like, yes, there's a shift, but unless they make a rule that uh, two outfielders have to be at a certain depth, at least, I don't know. I feel like it's just going to be, instead of giving up an infielder, you're going to be giving up the left fielder or right fielder for strong right-handed pull hitters. But any, any other Anything you have to add to that, Raph, in terms um, of the rules, changes, and all that? Yeah, I mean, just, like, reading about it, like, the size of the bases, and they're, like, citing safety. Um, and then they're talking about, like, oh, there's less distance in between the bases now. I'm like, what is, that? what is, like, four or six inches different? Like, that isn't. I don't. I don't see how that's going to make a difference with stolen bases, but you'd be surprised. I really think, like, if you look at the bang bang plays in, like, at every throwdown to second, I I really think it is going to lead to an increase in in total stolen bases. I think a lot of a lot more teams are going to risk it because I don't know what the difference is in terms of like seconds wise. Probably maybe 0.1 or even half of uh, half. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But I really think it's going to lead to more teams taking those opportunities to, to steal a base because right now it feels like they have it down to a science. If the pitcher is consistently getting the ball to the catcher in 1.5 seconds or less from the time of his, the start of his delivery, they won't steal on him because the catcher has a pop time good enough to to throw you out at second if the pitcher isn't spending more time than that. So that's why you'll see over at first base, the first base coach has always got that little the little stopwatch, and he's timing from the time that the pitcher starts his motion to the time that it hits the, the catcher's glove. And if they feel like they've got a good read on 
the pitcher being slow to the plate or whatever, then they'll say, okay, go for the steal. But, and that's where I think just that extra three inches, plus they move second base back to where it should have been. If, if you're going based on dimensions where it should have been, it's been in the wrong spot for 60 plus <laughs> years, hundred plus years. I don't remember how long, but so they reposition that. So I, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a more exciting game this, this upcoming season for casual fans, which that might come at the cost of some of the more uh, diehards. I consider myself a diehard, but I also am not like so stuck to the game being the way that I grew up watching it or wh- whatever, that I'm going to be like, oh, these rule changes are, are, are going to make it so I don't want to watch the game. I really think it's going to be – it's going to bring – a more exciting game to to baseball coming off that exciting world world baseball classic i really feel like baseball is starting to gain some momentum in, in growing as a sport so anything else you would like to add before we move on to nfl talk um oh no well, we got to do i guess we have world series yeah we got to do world series and then we got to do our uh al and and NL MVPs, and then AL and NL Cy Youngs. <laughs> so let's... I, I want to hear your World Series prediction first before I give mine, because I I feel like we may have the same, but I don't know. Um, so what, what I noticed was, like, the Brewers, the Padres, the Rays, and the Mariners all haven't won the World Series, and they're all going to make the playoffs, I think, this year. And then, you know, the Rockies and Rangers haven't won either, but they're not going to do anything. Um, so I think this year it's going to be two teams that have never won. I, I haven't made up my mind between the Rays and the Mariners, but it's either going to be one of them and the Padres. You said Rays, Mariners, and then the Padres? Like the Rays or Mariners versus the Padres. Yeah. It's going to be one of those two. Well, I'm going to make you pick one. So, gun to your head, which one are you picking? Uh, All right, Rays and Padres. (laughs) Going with the hometown team, huh? All right. Yeah. Yeah. A little. We'll see how Blake Snell does against the Rays. <laughs> I'm going to give you a a spoiler alert. I am not picking my A's to go to the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got Padres and Houston. And I really hope the Padres win it because I can't stand Houston being there. Um, but I would love to see the Padres win it just because I want to see an owner that hasn't typically spent get rewarded for for spending on his actual roster because I hate my owner so bad. And I want guys that are actually putting money into their rosters to see some success. I know that's not always been my sentiment because haven't liked the Yankees, haven't liked the Dodgers, haven't liked, you know, the teams that have traditionally spent more than everyone else on the planet. But I feel like investing in your team is never a bad thing um, unless you have some bad injury luck, things like that. But 
I really want to see them rewarded. I, I wouldn't hate to see the Mets make it either, uh, but I think the Padres have the, the most complete team, uh, them and the Braves. So I, I, I think those two teams will come down to it. I think the Padres take the, the lead over them. And then, yeah, Houston, like you said, I don't want to see them in that, but I think they have the playoff experience. They've got a great team still, even after losing Verlander and I can't even remember who else they've lost. Obviously, they lost Korea last year, but um, still feel like, I mean, they just keep replacing all the, the guys that they do lo- lose with uber prospects. So, hate to see them there, but I think they will be. Um, and then let's go to AL MVP, and then we'll do NL MVP. So, who do you have in the AL? You got Judge repeating? Um. Yeah, Benny says Blue Jays versus Padres for the World Series. I mean, I that, hate that, that was either. also that that was kind of on my list too. Um, but part of me just wants to see like two new teams, like two teams that haven't won, battling it out. Yeah, but um, what, but yeah, Blue Padres Jays versus Padres have... is yeah, Padres haven't won. I think um, so. so, but I mean, Blue Jays versus Padres, I, I could definitely see that happening as well. I, I wouldn't like it as much, but. <laughs> um, well, they haven't won since uh, old Carter hit the walk off, right? The Blue Jays. I'm not I think sure. It's been since like 91 or something like that. So it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, you know. I think 91, I was just learning English. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Speak pretty good English for, for learning yeah, I mean, it I, back then. I just, I just moved to the States like 90, 91. So. <laughs> um, I don't this know. This one to me is I, easy. I, so the, that's why I went the, made you go first. I don't know. Maybe maybe if Judge actually gets a real home run home run record and not just American League record. Yo, Joe Carter <laughs> for the win last time they won. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> personally, this is just me. I know I'm not alone, but I feel like Judge didn't deserve it last year. He had a great season offensively, but if you look at what Shohei's done on both sides of the baseball, Benny's going to hate this opinion. I've told him to, this to him several times, and he gives me the grumpy old man. Judge was the winner, but Shohei was a an all-star candidate on both sides of the baseball as a pitcher and a hitter. Obviously, he didn't have the home run totals that he had the previous season where he won unanimous MVP um but offensively other than the home runs everything else was up statistically and I would argue he had a better season last year than he did the prior season and as a pitcher he had a better season as well so obviously Judge had the AL record for home runs in a season but 
what Shohei was able to do on both sides of the baseball, I feel like should have put him above Judge. And I feel like until someone else starts pitching and hitting at an all-star caliber level, Shohei's going to win it and should win it every year until someone else starts doing that or until he either regresses or has to stop pitching because his arms shot, whatever. So I've got Shohei to win the AL MVP by, by a landslide this year. And Vladdy, if he has another season like he did two years ago, maybe he can put up a fight for it. But I just feel like Shohei, I mean, he's a true five, well, six-tool player with, with the pitching as well. I mean, he's got speed, he's got power, he's got everything you're looking for in a in a player. So I've got Shohei winning the AL MVP. You going um, with Judge? Are you picking someone well, else? I mean, I, I don't think Judge, like, they place a lot of emphasis on those home runs. Um, and I like it would make for a good story for Judge to actually get an overall home run title. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of focus on that this year. Yeah. So, well, I don't said know. I, I, Guerrero it, Jr. is his AL MVP. It's. It, it's. I feel like it's almost like what makes a good story. Not who's actually like the better player, or the best contributor. So. Um. I think the only argument that Judge had last year was that he was on a playoff team, where Shohei was obviously not. But. <laughs> feel like if you look at where the teams would have been without both players I still think that Yankees would have made the playoffs without Judge and I don't think the uh, Angels would have even been a respectable team without Shohei so that that's another part of my argument last year but it's fine I don't know I don't I don't have a good opinion or a well thought out one on either okay. league. I'm going to give you 10 so. seconds to just shoot from the hip and pick one. <laughs> and go. You got someone on your team you like? If you guys are going to the, to the uh, World Series, you, you probably have a, um, an MVP candidate. Yeah, maybe a Rosarena. He had a hell of a uh, World Baseball Classic, so maybe he builds yeah. off that. Yeah, I, love I that like guy. him. Yeah, he's a stud. All right, let's move on to NL MVP. And this one for me, like I just said, I've got the Padres going to the um, World Series and winning it. So I feel like they probably have to have an MVP candidate. I'm going to go with Juan Soto. Um, Trey Turner coming off that WBC. It's a pretty trendy pick. I feel like he's going to have a great season. Um, but I think Juan's going to 
have that breakout season, especially with him, this being his last year on his uh, options. Or not options. This is the last year of arbitration, I think. So he's coming up on a quote-unquote contract year. So I think he's looking for 500 plus million on his next contract, one of those long-term deals. So I'm going to go with Juan Soto in a contract year. Who you got? Chris Bryant. <laughs> Chris Bryant. How'd I know? <laughs> For you guys to win 70-plus games, he might need to be a, an MVP candidate. <laughs> well, I don't I don't like anybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I'm full of haterade. <laughs> yeah, apparently. So. Tonight you've been overdosing on it, for God's sake. <laughs> I know you're not picking Chris Bryant. Are are you gonna abstain? Um Yeah, I'm abstaining. Okay, fair enough. So let's move on to the AL Cy Young. Uh, this one's kinda all over the place. I think it really wouldn't surprise me to see Shohei. I just don't think he'll get enough innings to be the runaway AL Cy Young. So for this one, I'm actually going to go with Shane McClanahan. He was... I, I do like him. Yeah, he's um, a stud. And he's the opening pitcher for us again this year. Yep. He was was he second last year? Or did he win last year? I can't remember. Um, I I know he was close. I I wasn't paying attention. Let's see. Looking up right now. I want to say he was second last year. He didn't have enough innings, if I remember right. Obviously, he qualified. I, I thought he was. I thought he was kind of up there with innings, but. I think it was like twelve and eight or something, but yeah, he went twelve and eight with a two five four ERA. Started twenty eight games, but only threw one hundred sixty six innings. Typically, your candidates end up with around two hundred innings for starters. So, Trying to remember. I want to say he finished second last year. Let's see. AL Cy Young 2022. It was Verlander finished first. I remember that, but I can't remember who finished second. Yeah, he was fifth last year. Dylan Sees from the White Sox. Alec Manoa from Toronto. Shohei. From L.A., Framber Valdez from Houston, and then McClanahan was fifth in voting. So I think he's well, going to take that step up. Um, he looks like an absolute stud. He'll be at the top of your rotation. So I, I think he's probably the favorite. Uh, Castillo from uh, he's from the Mariners. He's a good good pick too, but I don't know. 
yeah, Degrom like, um, would be in the race for sure if he can stay healthy, but hasn't shown the ability to do so. Yeah, like I, as far as like Shane goes, he's. I I feel like they're going to utilize him a lot more just because of some of the the roster changes. So yeah. Um. You like him for Cy Young? Ah, uh, he's got the stuff. I I think if he would have pitched more innings, he probably would have been a lot. I mean, Verlander kind of ran away with it, but I think he would probably would have been a lot better suited for second, third, somewhere in there if he had pitched more innings. Yeah, I mean, like this is his like third year, so I, I feel like he'll he'll make some good strides, and definitely they'll they'll be talking about him a lot. So, all right, I'll I'll pick my my guy. That's two <laughs> for McClanahan. Let's go to NL Cy Young. Uh, this one, I think it was Alcantara last year, if I remember right. Yeah, Sandy Alcantara from Miami won first. Max Fried from Atlanta second. Urias from the Dodgers. Nola, Gallon, and Rodon from San Francisco. I think this year I'm actually going to go with Corbin Burns is the trendy pick. I think I'm going to go with Spencer Strider from Atlanta. He was he came on strong at the end of that last year. Uh, Alcantara, I think because of the innings pitched he won it but so he'll be another strong candidate as well but i'm gonna go with spencer strider this year benny's got alcantara again um let's hear who you got from the rockies <laughs> um i mean i, I think like Marquez is our our best pitcher, but uh, he's I don't I don't think he had that many innings last year. Um, well, and he pitches half of his games in Coors Field, so pretty tough part to pitch in. There's just teams I don't like, even though they're good pitchers. <laughs> like picks, like these kind of picks are more emotional based for me. Like I, you know, when it comes to our NFL pick them, you know, I, I can get rid of that emotion when I'm picking what team's going to win. Yeah. But, but when it comes to stuff like this, I'm like, I don't, I don't like that team. <laughs> um, you also have, Justin Verlander, that's new to the National League. You got Scherzer; he's always been a stud. Well, what surprised me to like see the, JV the, jump the leagues and dominate. I mean, typically the NL is a lot easier, but now the NL has the DH as well. So, yeah, that's that's changed some things around a little bit. Um, is a uh, Give me one second. You're good. Okay. Like I, I, I feel like I should probably go with Max Fried. Okay. 
I, I feel like the Braves are like I mean the Braves were great last year. I feel like he's gonna do better. Um, yeah, when he took what what do I say third last year, second last um, year. So yeah, wouldn't surprise me to see him at the top. I really think, like I said, we've talked about it already, but Braves are gonna be very tough this year. So. Between Strider and, and Freed, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see one of those two end up at the top, which is why I picked Strider. But All right. So yeah. I think that's all we I mean, had M- MLB-wise, unless no, you have anything else. I, I think I'm good for, for that, yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> NFL-wise, we've, we've got the NFL owner meetings that just happened uh, there in Phoenix. Had a lot of crazy things happen during those meetings, and I think a lot of it was Roger Goodell being a complete jackass, um, <laughs> announcing that they're going to have – there's no longer a, a one Thursday night game limit for uh, each team. You can now have up to two Thursday night games, and for his reasoning, he said essentially that – We've heard a lot of player feedback, and we don't care, essentially. Um, <laughs> but we haven't seen a rise in injuries or anything like that by by playing the Thursday night game. So let's do two. Um, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, among others, had voiced their displeasure on this decision. And when he was asked about it, he basically just, again, stated those facts. We haven't seen a, a rise in injuries or anything like that. We're not accommodating to our uh tv partners more than our players it just it makes sense we've had to do it before in covid and all that fun stuff so he's basically just making a bunch of excuses to have thursday night games for for amazon probably starting sooner in the season than we've seen before uh i absolutely hate this and like i don't pay for amazon prime so i don't think i'll be watching any more thursday night football games other than i'll give you my password the month what's that (laughs) i'll give you my password no it's okay i I don't need to watch football on one more extra (laughs) night per week um if it's my raiders sure i usually just do the the one week free trial that they give you or sometimes they give you like a 299 or something like that for a week and then i'll just cancel it after that but like i really don't care enough to watch Thursday night football. It's almost always garbage games anyway. Even if it's teams that should match up well on paper, it just seems like the better team almost always dominates that game because I think a lot of it has to do with the players' recovery and all that stuff. Uh, so obviously they, they like the extended recovery after the after the game, but when you only have three days to prepare for your next game when you play on a Sunday night. That's not ideal. Um, especially talking or listening to older players in the league. They say by Wednesday, we're still recovering. Like that's when you start to finally not feel sore from the previous game. So that's when you, I mean, a lot of the veterans get Wednesdays off because they're, you know, trying to rest up their bodies to get back into playing shape. So I don't know. Roger Hopefully Goodell, we don't see it happen too much. Yeah, unfortunately for, I mean, for the players, it's just going to continue this way until they start losing money. 
and I don't see that happening anytime soon. I mean, we're about to see the Washington Commanders, the commies, sell for a record price at in a American franchise. So I don't know. Everyone hates Goodell, but I feel like even if he was replaced, everyone would hate his replacement as well because at the end of the day, the commissioner's job is to look out for the interests of the owners. Uh, and I feel like as a society, we're mostly on the side of the players for the most part. So I don't know if anyone replacing him would be a, a better deal either. But I mean, the guy's making $60 million a year to basically go up on a stage and say, we're all about player safety, except we're not. <laughs> so anyway, some other things came out from the owner's meeting. Uh, Lamar Jackson announced that he requested a trade out of Baltimore right as John Harbaugh was going on the stage to take questions from the media. Seemed very calculated by Lamar. Um, John Harbaugh kind of seemed blindsided by all the reporters that were surrounding him, and then obviously they were reading him the quote-unquote bombshell as he started his press conference. So uh, what do you think? Do you think the request for a trade makes a difference for Lamar? Um, wasn't it that, didn't he say that he requested it like on the 2nd of March or something? I think it was the 5th, which they franchise tagged him on the 7th, but no one knew that he had requested the trade out of there other than his inner circle. Uh, but he announced that he had requested that trade as Harbaugh was coming on to get interviewed by all the media, so... I, mean, I think it, it was kind of stoking the flames a little bit by Lamar, and it was a brilliant strategic move. I mean, if, if he really wants to get traded, I feel like that's a good move is to throw your coach under, under the bus like that. <laughs> um, like, that, that's not good for an atmosphere later on. Like, like a healthy relationship, that kind of throws that out the window. Um, I just, he has been injury prone. I I feel like you, you either, that's like one side focuses on his injury prone last couple of years and the other side's like, they just completely ignore it. And they're like, he needs to get paid. So. This I feel like is, I'm on both sides of the argument. Cause I can see, you know, some teams hesitancy to pay him because of the injuries but at the same time, if you can get a player of that caliber and you're needing a quarterback, I feel like you almost have to make that move. And honestly, I, I don't know that the trade request makes a difference because at the end of the day, any team that wants to pursue him can. He's a restricted free agent at this point. So any team that wants to talk to him can just talk to him freely. Uh, so I don't know that it necessarily makes a, a difference other than knowing that teams don't want to be, or other than knowing that he doesn't want to be on the, the Ravens anymore. Um, this could still end up where he plays for the Ravens because any team that offers him a contract, the, the Ravens have the opportunity to match that because he's a restricted free agent. But I really like Benny just said what I was what I was going to say for the Colts where they're probably going to miss out on all of the top uh prospects in the draft. 
if you are the Colts, at this point, I think you probably look at trading down from that number four spot. And then with the lower pick, then you take the offer sheet to Lamar. And if the Ravens don't want to match your offer sheet, you get Lamar for whatever you traded down to, plus the pick from next year, which is probably going to be in the 20s, if not higher, because you add Lamar. And him having that, I don't know what kind of contract he's looking for. We still haven't heard a lot of rumors saying it's the Deshaun Watson contract is essentially what he wants. He said, I don't want a fully guaranteed contract on Twitter. So who knows what those uh, conversations are going like. But if you can get him for the later pick that you traded back for and next year's first round pick, you would think by trading back earlier or by trading back later in the draft this year, you're going to pick up some additional compensation, maybe a second, something like that. So I feel like that makes all the sense in the world rather than drafting an, an Anthony Richardson where you're going to have to sit him. He doesn't help you immediately. I feel like Colts make all the sense in the world for, for Lamar Jackson. So um, thoughts on that? I was, I'm just looking to see how much, I mean, I, I guess the Colts would make room if they needed it, but yeah, I was looking sure. at their money situation. I mean, it doesn't look the greatest, but. Well, they've got some veteran guys that are on bigger contracts that they could definitely kick the can down the road a little bit to, to make some room for Lamar. I mean, you would think he would have to be willing to have one or two years at the end of the contract that are void years just to help with the salary cap hit. Uh, yeah. So it's not all on one year. Um, and then, yeah, you kick the can down the road a little bit with some of your veteran players that, you know, you want around for the next couple seasons. Uh, you, you can definitely make that cap space. So, and I think the Colts, I really think they have a, a decent roster. So yeah, I, mean, I would have liked more if they had hired Basaccia, but you know, with the, uh... You know, with Jonathan Taylor on the team, um, you would think that Lamar wouldn't need to run as often. For sure. And that could keep him healthier. So Yeah. Well, and they have um, Pittman. I'm trying to think who else they have on at wide receiver. I I know they have some weapons on that team. I don't know how um, they were as bad as they were last year. Pittman's the name that stands out. Um, I don't – Ashton Doolin – Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie, uh-huh. Vincent Smith. McKenzie's good. They just signed him. So we'll see. Just feel like that roster makes a lot of sense. They have a good offensive line. They've got a good defense. Got Jonathan Taylor in place. You don't need a ton of. I mean, I feel like if you gave Lamar some good wide receiving weapons, he wouldn't need to run as much. Jonathan Taylor helps too. So, yeah. Makes a lot of sense, but since we last talked, Rogers also announced on the Pat McAfee podcast slash show um, that he initially went into his days of darkness thinking he was going to retire, like Logue was thinking. But then when he came back out from the darkness, the GM of the Packers, Brian Gutenkunst, had chopped him to other teams in the league. Um, 
and that really pissed him off because he hadn't had that communication, which who knows what's going on with those two sides because they're both saying, both pointing fingers saying, well, he wasn't answering calls. No, he wasn't answering calls. So I don't know. Obviously, it's a a torn relationship there. They're both ready to move on. But um, (laughs) he wants to go to the Jets now. So that's who I thought he was going to end up with. I think he initially wanted either Jets or Raiders, but Raiders were made it clear they're not looking for a $60 million veteran at this point. So um, now Jets are basically his only option. Reportedly, the Packers wanted the Jets 13th overall pick, but they have since moved off that request. So do you think that deal gets done? And then if so, what do you think about Rodgers on the Jets? Um, I, I think it will get done. Like, uh, you know, like the Packers are trying to hold out because they, you know, think he's worth more than what the Jets are offering. But at the same time, what good does keeping him on your roster do you if you're the Packers? It, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, they've essentially like, said no, we're not interested in having him on our team anymore. So, like, having him as a $60 million hit on your your salary cap doesn't make much sense. Although, I think that number is actually smaller because some of that's roster bonus. But, anyway. Yeah, like, he's he's not going to take the Packers to the playoffs next year, even if he's on the team. Or, I mean, this year. So, like, he just... You need to get rid of him. So, but, and then the Packers know the Jets need him. So they're both kind of trying to hold out right now. So the, the funny thing is the Jets could make it a lot harder on the Packers, but it seems they are very bad at negotiating because <laughs> the Jets could say that they're in on Lamar Jackson and kind of put some pressure on the the Packers to get a deal done but instead they immediately said no we have no interest in Lamar Jackson (laughs) it's like that's a perfect even if you don't want Lamar Jackson on your team it's a perfect opportunity to say hey we're we're looking at this guy too so if you guys aren't willing to make a move we're we're gonna we're gonna start to pursue this other option but instead they're just like nope let's let's shoot ourselves in the foot you know I don't know. I feel like, yeah, the deal's going to get done. I just don't know when. Really, there's no pressure to get it done immediately. You have up until, I would say, the draft to get a deal done if if the Packers are looking to use whatever draft compensation they can get from the Jets to improve the, the roster this season. Uh, if it doesn't happen by the draft, I mean, then you're looking at a June 1st as the quote-unquote cutoff date because that's when a lot of those roster bonuses typically kick in so i really think we'll have a a resolution before the draft um or maybe even day of draft probably by the end of the first round because i don't think it's gonna involve a first round draft pick at this point um but yeah i'd be surprised to see it carry on much further than that so yeah like what i read was the jets were trying to get some protection in case Rodgers quits after this year so yeah and that, that makes that sense part of the holdup so yeah I mean you don't want to give up 
even if they're asking for, you know, a second this year and then let's say a second next year, you don't want to give up a second next year if he's not going to play for, for more than one season. So like we've talked about on, on previous podcasts, it makes sense to do a conditional, even if it's a second round next year, you do a conditional where if he does, if he ends up retiring, then it drops down to a fourth or fifth or something like that. The Jets feel like they're a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. So if you really feel like this guy could put you in for a Super Bowl, then yeah, you're willing to make that risk of a, a second this year, fifth next year, if he even if he ends up retiring. If you guys win a Super Bowl or even come close to that, then then it's worth it for you. So I don't even see them in the, the AFC championship game. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they've got a great defense. Salah's a great coach. I feel like they were pretty close last year, even though they had Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco as their one and two. So if if you can get a generational talent like a Rodgers, I mean, even if it's you've got the, the growing pains of, you know, changing up the offense, you've got Nathaniel Hackett there that has ran the offense that uh, – Rogers likes to run, so I feel like that'll take away a lot of the growing pains there. So I really um, wouldn't be surprised like, to see them in that. I mean, I don't th- think they'll knock off Mahomes even with Rogers, but yeah, you know, at like least they'll be competitive. So you you'd have the Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Bills. You know, out of those three, one of them will knock out one of the other ones. So the Jets. You know, still have to beat two of those teams, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which that's that's hard. That's a that's an uphill battle for sure. It is hard, but you could argue all of those teams took a step back, uh, and the Jets would be taking a step forward. Well, I don't know. Bengals, I would say maybe even got a little bit better, but Bills lost Poyer and. Um, McKenzie, trying to think. Chiefs lost your boy Juju Smith Schuster. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad uh, he's Frank Clark. Never gonna get another Super Bowl again. <laughs> There's, I feel like I don't know. I don't want to say that Chiefs took a step back because, like I said, every time I I allude to that, it seems like they just get better, and they have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So. As long as those two are are a combo, I feel like the the Chiefs are probably the team to beat in the AFC. But who knows? All right, yeah, like well, bar, barring about... a Kelsey injury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's what makes that offense go for sure. But all right, let's move on to just a couple other signings, and then we'll we'll cut it loose for the day. But uh, Bobby Wagner back to the Seahawks on a one year deal. I feel like this should have happened last year instead of him going to the Rams. But what do you think about this deal? You like it? Um, well, I don't like Seahawks getting any good players, but well, obviously um, but <laughs> it's a legacy. Uh, Seahawks yeah, player. no, I mean, as, as far as, you know, that goes for their fan base and stuff. I like it. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bobby Wagner was probably still one of the top two linebackers. I, th- I think you guys have the edge in Fred Warner, uh, but 
Bobby Wagner played out of his mind last year on a team that was basically out of playoff contention by midway <laughs> through the season. Uh, yeah. So seeing him go back to the Seahawks, obviously I like it, but maybe hurt no, you like, guys it, just a, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to watch out for them a little bit more, um, especially not knowing the quarterback situation. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely makes them more competitive. And, you know, there'll be 49ers and Seahawks. They'll be both be in the playoffs. So, Yeah. Well, and it was announced that Sam Darnold is your quarterback one going into the season if Brock Purdy isn't ready. So that's got to feel bad for Trey Lance. Did did I? Was that what it well, said? I, I don't want to say that it's on the depth <laughs> chart or anything, but John Lynch <laughs> said essentially. He, he said Purdy was basically QB1. One one, yeah. But he said if not, it would probably be Sam Darnold at this point. I don't um, know if that's just trying to to add a little chip on Trey Lance's shoulder, or if it really would be Sam Darnold. Um, discuss. Uh, I just bring the rumors; you address them. <laughs> I mean, that could definitely go either way. There's, I'm sure Lance has some self doubt already. I I feel like you wouldn't want to make it worse i don't think i i feel like the purdy chip would be big enough chip that you don't need to add sam Darnold to it um but he played well to end the season for the panthers <laughs> uh you guys need let let's be honest if you had four quarterbacks that's probably still not enough so <laughs> <laughs> Which makes no I mean, sense because you got Trent Williams protecting the blind side there. But uh, you you lost Matt McGlinchey. Not that that's a huge loss. No, not really. And they they overpaid for him. So who did we just pick up though? Instead, um, shoot. Well, it's no secret I'm not a 49ers fan, so I'm not keeping up with all your signings. But... <laughs> hey, well. I like your quarterback signing. <laughs> I meant to read that. Apparently, Shanahan shit on old Garoppolo, according to a... Um, yeah, something about you have to run I, into him to talk to him or something, but... Yeah, the, the headline I saw, it said that Shanahan was not a fan of Garoppolo or something like that. I... I opened the article to read it later, but then I never got back to reading it today. So I'll have to dig into that and see what he said, but doesn't seem like he was a huge fan. I didn't see that, but I don't know. I didn't see that article. See if I got the page bookmarked still here. I don't. I'll have to look into it again, but through some shade, apparently. Although it was from one of those stupid sites that always does the clickbait headlines and then it's always nothing yeah. but um you just signed an offensive lineman or what yeah i 
I, I was trying to look it up. I, I saw we signed, uh, like, was John Feliciano from the Giants, but I don't think that was it either. I thought we signed somebody else that was a little bit better. Um, well, Feliciano was good. I mean, he started with the Raiders and then went up to the Bills. He was a starter with them for a while, too. I, I thought it was somebody Matt from the Pryor, Eagles. Offensive tackle from the Eagles. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we, 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 we did. We're trying to repair our offensive line, you know, losing the glitchy and stuff. So, yeah. I was like worried said, that they weren't going to make much moves of a loss. Stuff, but, yeah. I mean,. Everyone, when we drafted Colton Miller over Matt McGlinchey, was saying we missed big time, but Colton Miller has been a lot better player than McGlinchey has. So obviously our team hasn't been as good, but, you know, at least yeah, we got I, one I, win. I feel like our O-line didn't take too big of a hit. So Yeah. All right. Um, I wanted to talk to Logue about his Panthers. Uh, since we've last talked, they they signed DJ Chark, Adam Thielen. I think they had already signed Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst, and then the Red Rocket, Andrew Bernard Dalton <laughs> as backup quarterback. I was going to ask Logue if he was feeling better about having a rookie quarterback and still – if he's feeling like it's Stroud or Young, there's been a lot of back and forth between the three. Uh, uh, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young on who people think is going to go number one. I still feel like it's got to be C.J. Stroud, but that could be my my opinion shining through just in, in the fact that I think he's the best out of the three that they are speaking about. But... Since he's not here, uh, do you think DJ Shark from the from the Lions and then Thielen is a good signing, as well as Sanders, Hayden Hurst, and Andrew Dalton to uh, back up whoever they draft or potentially start the season? Um, I don't know about Dalton. Well. I, I guess I could see right for the Dalton Saints. starting, just because like it depends how good their draft pick progresses. Yeah. Um, like it could. I always feel like you should make them wait. Like throwing them in there to the Sharks just doesn't seem to go well very often. Um, Works for some, but yeah. But I I I do like their signings. Um. You know, those are some like good names, good veteran presence and stuff that should help with, you know, the new coaching and um and as far as quarterback draft picks, uh I would say you know what you, what we don't see is like their character, like how they act. Cause like I mean, you know, like you don't want like a rugs or something. So like that, those are just those situations. Like he was just the first one I thought of, but there's there's been a few others, you know. Like you don't want to waste all that on somebody that doesn't, you know, act like they should. 
given everything that's offered to them. Maybe next time you want to kick me in the nuts, you you wait till we're actually in person to do so. <laughs> uh, no one could have seen to, the rugs thing coming. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to use another example just because I you didn't should have. I just couldn't. I couldn't Instead think of, being of them. a little jerk. There, there's like one other one out there right now. Uh, yeah, Jalen Carter I, from Georgia. Yeah. With, well, uh, I mean, I, one that got drafted already, but yeah, oh. him too. <laughs> but yeah, there's exactly like that situation. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's tough because obviously the the rug situation. It looked like he was starting to become the player that they drafted him to become, and then has that tragic incident that, like I said, I don't think anyone saw coming. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we aren't seeing the interviews that these teams are doing with the players. So who knows what they're actually thinking. In terms of actual play on the football field, I think C.J. Stroud is above the rest of them. Bryce Young's close second, but I think his size scares away a lot of the teams. So... I wouldn't be shocked to see him slip to like three or four even. Um, Wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Raiders trade up to three and possibly get Bryce Young. Uh, Will Levis, I don't know if you saw the the photos circulating around Twitter today of Will Levis. I think it was coming from the official NFL account, if I remember right, but... um, he posted some photos of his before the season was over and then now. And he said, last year was really tough for me. Uh, This is me before my injuries, or no, after my injuries at the end of the season. And then here's me now. And it was like him at 226 or something like that weight-wise and then 230 now. And... At 226, he looked kind of, I don't know. I mean, he's still in great shape, but obviously was not ripped. And then at 230, he was just like absolutely chiseled, looked like a freaking statue. So I think they were trying to get him some good pub there to to maybe help that draft stock. But I know there was some injuries with Will Levis, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of rise up above where we thought he might go. Uh, a lot of people had him sliding down to seven at the Raiders, but I, I really don't feel like they're in on him, but I guess we'll see. Um, trying to think. Maybe the Raiders will go for Stetson Bennett. I really wouldn't be surprised to see him take that offensive tackle from uh, Tennessee. I'm trying to think of his name off the top of my head. I think it's Walker or something like that. See left tackle Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee Vols. Let's try that. It's telling me the Titans, which I already know was Andrew Lawan, but or not Andrew Taylor Lawan. This is showing the guys for this year. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I, I should have wrote it down, but wouldn't it be like he's supposedly the, the top tackle 
in the draft, so it surprised me to see the Raiders go tackle in the first round and then maybe second round pick up Hendon Hooker or trade back into the first round to get Hendon Hooker at the bo- at the the back end of the first round. Um, I don't know. We'll see what's going on. I did want to mention that, uh, well, a couple of things with the Raiders. Ted Wynn from The Athletics said the Raiders are moving on from a lot of talent to bring in players that better fit the system. So... Obviously, you saw them move on from Darren Waller, traded him to the Giants for the third-round pick. Uh, rumors that they may move on to, from Hunter Renfro. They've signed a ton of wide receivers in the offseason. So right now, I think we have seven or eight wide receivers on the roster, maybe even more than that with some of the guys that were on the practice squad last year. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them move on from Hunter Renfro to – Jacoby Myers might take that slot spot. And then uh, Sims, they signed from the commies. He might fit more in that traditional second round or second wide receiver spot because he's a huge guy that can go up and get the football. And then obviously Devontae Adams at one. Um, So we'll see what's going on with the Raiders. I don't know. But the thing is, he said, if you're you're moving on from talent to bring in positions, system fits the system better be very good and i think we've seen the system be good in new england with josh mcdaniels but we haven't seen the system be good outside of new england so we'll we'll see if he can make that work but you saw with josh jacobs and Devontae adams last year both of those guys had 1500 yards and that has never happened on a non-playoff team until last year so pretty impressive there you got two generational talents and and you squander it and into a 6 and 11 season but we'll see like i said getting rid of talent to fit scheme is not typically the best way to go usually you want to fit your scheme around the talent that you have on your roster but uh we'll, we'll see josh mcdaniels maybe he makes it work um uh, And then I did want to mention Foster Moreau announced that on his visit to the Saints, he found out he had Hodgkin's lymphoma and is taking time off from football right now to to battle that that form of cancer. So prayers up to Foster Moreau. He he was our backup tight end last year, Uh, got forced into action to play for Darren Waller. So obviously we're hoping for the best results from, from that with him and then if if he's able to afterwards continue his football career, I think he would make a lot of sense with the Saints because that's where he's from. They're in the New Orleans area. He played at LSU, so teaming back up with Derek Carr in in New Orleans would make a lot of sense for him. So good catch by the Saints uh, physical staff there. Um, glad they caught that for him. And he said, you know, if I hadn't been a free agent, who knows if – this would have actually been caught because you don't typically go through those stringent physicals like you do when you're a a free agent, when you're coming back to an existing team, they already feel pretty comfortable about your, your physical situation and all that. So they don't go as, as in depth as you, as when you're doing your free agent visits. So, and then hopefully, hopefully it was caught early enough. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, he said he's going to kick cancer's ass and then he'll get back to whatever he wants to do after that. So he is taking that break from football. But like I said, I, I expect to see him back probably 
as early as later in this season, potentially next season. So, and then one last note I had about about my Raiders is Josh McDaniels was interviewed at the uh, owners' meetings this past week, um, and one of the reporters shockingly asked him about the play uh, anonymous NFLPA feedback from the players saying that he doesn't use players times wisely and that he doesn't do anything to relate to them, uh, which I think are pretty huge red flags for potential free agents. Obviously we've got like Garoppolo and Jacoby Myers that have already worked with Josh McDaniel. So they already know he's kind of a jackass, but um, <laughs> <laughs> huge red flags for me. If, if your players are saying, you know, he's essentially burning up all our time and not for a good reason, and he's not trying to relate to us or, or learn anything about us. So I don't know. I was shocked that the reporter actually asked him this. It was not a Raiders reporter, so maybe that's why she was willing to ask it because she's not worried about losing access to the players or anything like that. But he essentially said that he listens to all the feedback that he gets, but then he also kind of said, well, we don't know where this is coming from, and you know, maybe it was just a player that was on their way out anyway and felt like they wanted to scorch the earth on their way out. Who knows? But he did say that he would meet with all the leaders of the team to address it and, and see if there's anything that they could change up. So we'll see. It seems like a lot of lip service from Josh McDaniels at this point because, I mean, this feedback was there back when he was on the Broncos and everyone said he was a basically a tyrant. So... Um, doesn't seem like he has made many changes in his coaching style, but, you know, all we've heard about him is how much he's learned from when he had his time in Denver and how he's improved his coaching and blah, 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 but doesn't seem to be changing the player's mind. So anything you need to add to that or anything about your Niners before we call it? Well, when, when you were talking about, you know, the Raiders squandering – all those yard records that made me think of, you know, Alcantara on the Marlins winning Cy Young. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, how are you going to be that bad of a team, but then have, you know, you just have one good pitcher. That's all you got on the team. <laughs> yeah. But, poor Marlins. <laughs> um, no, as, as far as NFL goes, it's, too early it is the off season and obviously we'll we'll have more to talk about as draft time comes up which is in about three weeks so we're, we're gaining momentum but nfl is year round i mean they've got something going on obviously we just talked about the owners meetings they'll have more i think before the draft we'll have news of a commander's sale uh, they already said that magic johnson and a couple other investors had submitted a successful bid uh, that meets the threshold of daniel snyder's asking price so i don't know that i mean i don't think it, anything final has happened yet in terms of that that just meets the threshold i think they still have to you know essentially prove they have the money 
and all that. But I think if that is the the buyer and Magic Johnson is part of that, that should be exciting for the NFL. Uh, he's part owner of the Dodgers too, but essentially he's a <laughs> a smiling face for those owners. I don't think he has quite that amount of money, but if he's at least part of that group and and he can be the public figure, he he's a likable guy, obviously. So, yeah, I'm not sure what connection he has to, you know, that side of the U.S. But well, I think anyone would love to be a part part owner of a, an NFL franchise. So, having a, a public figure like that as part of your bid, I think that only enhances it. So. And I really hope if if there is a sale of the Commanders, which I have no faith that this is actually going to happen because Roger Goodell is involved, but with the sale, I would love to see the actual reports come out for the workplace investigations and all that stuff that involve Dan Snyder and his wife and and while they or during their tenure as owner, all the stuff that came out. So. Like you said, I have no faith that it'll actually come out because I'm sure Roger Goodell's putting some kind of stipulations on the sale saying we can't, I don't know, sign an NDA, you can't release these documents, whatever. But it would be nice, especially coming from a, a Magic Johnson-led bid, to, to out all the things that Dan Snyder and his team got away <laughs> with while while he was owner of the of the commies. Yeah, we'll see. Do you think there's maybe, possibility uh, or no? Maybe Elon Musk buys them or something. Nah. <laughs> it's funny because Dan Snyder didn't want um, Bezos to submit a bid, so he blocked it even though it was probably higher than what he could get from this group that allegedly is in works of actually getting the bid. So we'll see. Um, next episode, we'll we'll have some... I'm hoping to have Polly on and with Kyle and and then we'll talk about the Wyoming football program. We'll talk about uh, Jeff Linder's struggles with the transfer portal, Graham EK leaving the program and all that fun stuff. A um, couple of the transfer portals that they're bringing in. Uh, I'm trying to think what else we might have on the docket. I know NBA basketball is coming to the playoffs. My, my warriors will have more talk more to talk about with them anything else you have in mind for the upcoming episodes raf that you want um, to preview no just you know maybe maybe the, the rockies can have a winning record for you know first week or something yeah i was gonna say i hope you're not talking <laughs> about the whole season but that's what i'm <clears throat> I keep saying that the A's are going to have more than the, the 70 win threshold, but then I'm like, I don't know. Talk to me by mid-May. I'll probably have soured on that projection. <laughs> <laughs> by mid-May, they might be 15 games under 500, and I'll be crying, but we'll see. All right, with know. that, maybe we can both can guys. <laughs> What's that? Maybe both of us will get 70 wins. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> All right, with that, I will thank you guys that are that have tuned in for this episode. Uh, thank you, Raph, for coming on again. Like I said, I think next week we'll have Kyle back. He's 
been sick. He's been on lockdown, and this week he's on night. So next week he should be available, uh, and we should hopefully get the poly episode in. We're also aiming to do at least one of those community spotlights with Chris Haggett from Haggett Barbell. Um, I'm, I know there's some others that are interested. We just got to work out a, a time where we can get y'all in. So as always, if, if you want to be a part of that, let us know, show us the interest and, and we'll, we'll set aside some time. We'll have Foster back on to talk about his, uh, donkeys off season with Sean Payton edition and all that fun stuff. Maybe Trent Williams as well to talk about that. So we'll see. We've got a lot of fun things planned in the in the future. And we'll have Logan Raft back on as well. So thank you guys for tuning in. And we will catch you on the next one.